0: That's right. I'm back. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fun little beach episode we are going to have today, but I have to say this. All right. If it looks like I have lost weight, (laughs) you're wrong. I put on 15 pounds. My God, you've gotten fat. Okay. 15 pounds right? You know how much food you got to eat when you start feeling bad? Not just about yourself, like you're a slob, but guilty. Like, oh, I think I could have actually contributed to world hunger a little bit. You know, I could have solved something. I'm not saying I could have, you know, maybe alleviated the pressures of a whole country, but probably a small county. Realistically, with 15 pounds, I could have fed 12 people full time. And just, like, for, so on survival standards, at least 73 people could have gotten by with how much food I consumed, dude. It was, dude, it was so much, all right? Like, if you want to do the math, right, one pound is 3,500 calories. So, if we do 15 times 3,500, I ate 52,000 calories over what I burn. all right? right, fifteen pounds. 50,000 calories. Now, if we do the math on how many Oreos that would be, because I know the calories by heart, that would be 866 Oreos! <laughs> Dude, how am I still alive? That's right! They said he wouldn't come back. They said, I think we've lost him to him to the sands of time. But hey, Hey, you, you, <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an all new episode of Full Circus. My name is Tristan Sartoris, and I am so happy to be here with you guys today. Okay, look me in the eyes. It's a trick demand, okay, because I got sunglasses on, but look me in the eyes when I tell you this, okay? Feel the genuineness and sincerity behind my pupils when I say, I am so excited. And overjoyed to be here with you guys, okay? And uh, I just got back from vacation. I got back from the beach and let me tell you, it was amazing. okay? I'm not gonna sugarcoat it and beat around the bush and say, oh, I'm sorry to be back here because it was it wasn't as good as I want. No, it was fantastic. okay? It was everything you could ever dream and want. It was vacation. It's nice, but it does feel so great to be back home. And you know as much as we love to get away, we I gotta get away, man. I just got just gotta get away. There's something to be said about five, six days in. You go, I just got to get back, man. I gotta. We, like, we like our place. We like our home, you know? And even then, like they say home is where the heart is. My heart was there. I had all my family. I had the people that I love. I cherish even dogs. I had my animals there, right? I had everything I needed. But there's something to be said about being in your zone. You know what I mean? Like being in your own bed. It's like, okay, I know... Who's here? I know what's been done here. You know, if I find a half eaten Pop Dry, I go, oh, that was mine. I had no problem. But when you start sleeping in some foreign beds, you go, what the ring is that? You know, I don't know the space. Okay. It's important to know your space. And, you know, it just wasn't my home. So, as great as it was, it feels so nice for some reason to just kind of get back into my own little bubble of reality and excitement. And, you know, I not only recorded that episode before I left, but a couple ahead of time. So it's actually been a while since we can just get together here. So I'm excited not only to be home, but to be here with you guys. It was it was fantastic, but I'm I'm so happy, man. It's so nice. And you know what? I don't even think it's about the location necessarily. Like if you want to take a vacation, it's not where you go. Okay. It's not necessarily what you do, but there's something to be said about the way that people you know, mentally recline, right? Because in life, everybody, not me, but, you know, other people are so, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got so many things going on, you know, they're just all over the place. And now I'm not the most high-strung person in the world. (laughs) I'm kind of, I'm like a bobber in the ocean, okay? The bait's there, when the fish come, the fish come. But for right now, I'm just bobbing up and down, I'm doing my thing, right? Most people are like, where's the fish? We got to get the ring in there, you know? So it's nice to see the people in your life kind of, I can't be doing the things that I'm worried about. I'm stressed, all the tension. They just kind of bob. You float. You begin to let out some new sides of your personality. And that's not to say I haven't seen them before, but it's great to feel the presentness, you know, of of a lot of people that are so everywhere else. Everyone's so present. They're so engaged. It's just, oh, we're still locked in. We're still focused. It's a great feeling, man. So... If you or anyone you know is one of those people, freaking get a vacation, man, and and try and bring a little bit of that back with you because life is so fast-paced for, again, other people, not me, but a lot of other people, they're going a mile a minute, and to kind of have that feeling that just kind of I'm here I'm here yeah there's other stuff going on yeah we could be doing this we're gonna do that but I'm just I'm just gonna I'm here I'm just gonna flow for a minute okay that's the message of the day learn to float a little bit more not not on vacation just try and bring a little bit more floating in your life okay get a vest some floaties whatever you got to do that just bob a little bit okay don't worry about treading water just float dude just float don't be swimming to the finish line uh, <laughs> but anyways guys Uh, I loved the peace. I loved tranquility. It was fantastic. And, you know, the road trip was, it was exactly what you think a road trip would be. You know, it's a lot of people in a hot, sweaty car, and sometimes you don't have that peace and tranquility yet. Sometimes tensions rise, and people get a little annoyed. That happened right off Jump Street with my brother and I, so we're up front and he's like throwing like little pieces of trash at me or whatever. And that's what siblings do. Okay. He, he started it. So obviously I had to retaliate. Okay. Like I I'm, I'm <laughs> not only am I a sibling, but I'm an older brother. So, you know, to the hierarchy of, of disrespect is, is like sevenfold. So I have to respond with seven times the punishment. So he throws some trash. I grab a little bit of my like cake donut and I flick a little bit at it. Okay. Now, well, my brother, I don't think he quite understands just yet, is that when you start something, I do get to respond with seven times, okay? I get to amplify the punishment because you have provoked the war, right? I, I get to bring that back. Yet he was upset and we got into a whole argument, and I was just like, dude, those are the rules. I, I don't know what else to tell you. So he wanted to keep firing back. It's like, dude, now I gotta go even higher. I'm <laughs> like, just dumping stuff all over him. So we were bickering. That's just what siblings do, man. So tensions got hot right off, right off the get go. But yeah, like as soon as we got to the beach, it all washed away. Like, oh, what cake, what trash! It don't matter. There's sand, there's water combining. It's beach. It's nice, right? It just feels great. Um, a lot of stops, dude. Especially the more people you have, nobody's bladders aligned. We're all like, bang, 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 bang. Next, okay. So it feels like every 15 minutes we're pulling over to you know to tinkle and to and to dump. <laughs> so. Lots of lots of pit stops. I will say I was very proud of this moment. And it might be a little bit gross. But I think the hygiene was enough. Let me explain. I went into a restroom. It was somewhere around Virginia or something. And there are like eight hardcore bikers. I mean, that gruff just built and husky. And they got the big beards. And they're tatted up from the face down to their fingertips. And, you know, it should be a little bit intimidating, whatever. But I go in there and you know me and this this big tough biker we're both going to the restroom right there okay we're both streaming we're both looking up at the wall just letting it go <laughs> and and we're kind of in sync right if if this was like an olympic race it's like oh wait wow, we're really neck and neck here we both pull away and go to the double sided sink now we're washing our hands together, and I can see that this guy is really, like, getting into his fingernails. He's really washing his hands, like, is thorough. Like, you would imagine that COVID just came back. He's like, i got to be thorough about this. I felt like I had already washed my hands decently enough, okay? I didn't pee on my hands. My hands were decently clean to begin with, okay? So I was like, you know what? I've already washed. Everything. And I took an unnecessary amount of pride in the fact that... <laughs> For as tough as this guy was, I was like, yeah, dude, I don't even need all that. You know, like I got enough soap. You need three pumps, three pumps of soap. You're a tough guy. You eat bugs for a living. You probably beat people up in the bars every freaking weekend. But yet I'm winning the hygiene battle, you know, and. I don't know if that ruined my perception of him. And I thought, well, maybe like a neat freak. You know, you don't think of, you don't think of bikers like that. You don't think that they're just going to be obsessing over the dirt under their fingernails and like beating somebody over there with a bat. You're like, oh, freaking, it's like a dirt under my nail. So he did three pumps. I did two <laughs> and I got out of there before him. And I, was, I looked back and I was like, yeah, I'm the man. You know, you ever do something like that? It's so minuscule. But the fact that I <laughs> spent less time washing my hands, which again, it could be gross. It could be dirty. But the fact that he was worried about the filth on his hands more than me just made me feel a little bit tougher. I felt a little bit more masculine that I could out gross this guy. And that was cool, dude. It was was nice. So anyways, a lot of little things like that. And eventually we get to the beach after a nice long haul. And, you know, it's just... It is heavenly, okay? Like I said, like it's it's nice to have those people and be present, but it is, you know, the location, it's not so shabby either, right? The beach is, it's quite swell, and I spent most of the time surfing, you know? I got some clips for you guys. Oh, man. And I even got a good one, but I'm sorry the footage isn't great, where I pop up and I'm riding this thing for like 10 seconds, you know? And I'm all, and I can't see the clip, but I imagine it's going pretty far, and you know? As cool as that is, there is an underlying fear constantly, like quite literally, that there's sharks in the water. And, you know, someone as clumsy as I am, I tend to get cut a lot and I hear that sharks don't like blood. So I'm constantly going in there like, oh, my gosh, my feet bleeding. This is bleeding. My foot's bleeding. I'm bleeding right now. Um, I stubbed my toe (laughs) earlier in a bad one. And, dude... There's nothing, like, I'm already scared of the ocean. I'm already scared of sharks. There's nothing you can say and be like, oh, yeah, they're just docile creatures. They won't do anything unless you provoke. They're sharks. They're like, yeah, it's sharks. They're sharks. That's what it is. Like, even though that biker washed his hands for 35 minutes, I'm still intimidated. There's nothing you can tell me about sharks. Like, yeah, you know, they really take their hygiene seriously. I'm still going to be scared of him. It's a shark. So I'm kind of bleeding. And not only that, but I forget to take my freaking necklace off. So I'm like, oh, they don't like jewelry. They don't like blood. And also I hear they don't like flotation devices. They think it's a seal on the surface. So I got three things going against me. So you're constantly facing your fear every second you're out there. Like sharks come from below. They come from the side. I don't know where it's coming. It's not like I'm in the perfect crystal clear blue sea shallow water. I feel like I could die at any moment. And that's a terror, like, no matter where you are, okay? Like, we all say, yeah, the world could end immediately. We could get hit by something. The world could end right now. Sure. But the fact that I know me, not everybody, I could die right now is a scary feeling. It's kind of like volunteering to just dangle yourself over a fiery pit of death, just so you can have like a 10-second little bit of glory. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not Jesus, but I'm kind of on the water right now. And it is cool. Like, it's fantastic to surf, but every time you get off the wave and you complete it, you're like, yeah, that was awesome. But was it worth the risk? Probably not. And on top of that, dude, I... I get so much sunscreen in my eyes. I don't know what it is. It just it finds a way. And then I have thick eyebrows. So if they get wet, they're just constantly leaking into my eyes over the sunscreen for like 30 days. And so I'm blinded. I'm bleeding. I've got jewelry and I'm on a surfboard. And if a shark wanted the easiest victim possible, (laughs) I'm your guy, dude. And on top of that, dude, I had multiple dreams of shark attacks. Okay, both before and while I was there. Doesn't make that warm, you know, safe feeling uh any more prevalent it wasn't there at all i didn't feel safe um but and oh dude on top of that they had a fishing tournament while i was there like yeah we're just all gonna line up down the whole coast and so people next to me on both sides my own family we're all just casting and like that sucks enough as it is like there's lines getting tangled people are just throwing hooks at you but from what i've heard The sharks quite like it when there's bait, both the actual bait and more fish, all around the water. So what I read was that both when fish are jumping out of the water, get out, and also when people are fishing, get out. So much so that if a shark were to eat me, okay, they wouldn't even call it an accident. They would say it's my fault, okay? That's how strong... This scent, this alluring lure um, is to these things, that they would blame me. They call it a provoked accident. So I was very um, scared. There's just no other way to put it. And I'm actually really proud of myself and ashamed that I kept going back in. Why did I keep going back in? I don't know. You think this was worth it? You think that just those eight seconds, the footage that I get that wasn't even that sharp was worth it? no dude it's not worth it you know like there's nothing worth death right i challenge you to give me one answer tell me one thing that is worth death to you what is worth risking death you got nothing do you it's there's it's death death wins the battle rock paper scissors death it gets all of it you know so uh, i'll have to revisit that in the future and think you know is this worth it probably not um, but I'm a prog of the moment, baby. Like I said, I'm just floating. I'm not thinking about things as much. I'm a little worried, but I'm like, this will be worth it. What an idiot. Hindsight is 2020, and it's weird to look back at yourself, even when you survive, and be like, you fool, <laughs> which is a unique feeling. But anyways, man, um, it was great. And like I said, dude, I had a ton of food. Um, as peaceful as it was, okay, like I said, everybody's kind of present and doing their thing. There is something to be said about family dinners. Because look, when there's special moments, special occasions in my family, we like to accentuate the moment with a exciting meal. Now these exciting meals are not easy to make, and you know they could be basic meals, but they take a lot of time and a lot of effort, and it kind of turns into what I imagine a five-star um, kitchen would look like. Be like. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. No, chef. No. What do you? What you? What, what? You an idiot! Get the freaking fish! Get the fish on the grill! You know, like it's just so panicked. They're yelling. The crumbs are flying. It's just a. It's a messy situation, and that's the only time where tensions kind of heat up. Like, there's, it gets a little hectic, I won't lie to you. And every freaking night, we did something else. It's like, oh my gosh, you're taking this long, you're doing that, you're doing the freaking... So, it gets a little bit too serious for my liking, and don't get me wrong, the food tastes good. I ate a ton of it, but... Um, I would rather have a peanut butter jelly sandwich than, you know, have, you know, some very fine animal style fries. But my family loves our exciting dinners. And it is unfortunate because of the time that takes and the heat that rises both figuratively and literally, you know, like a whatever. (laughs) But, you know, you put all this work in and you sacrifice so much, you know, peace in the house and then the meal's gone in about Seven seconds, you know, yeah, yeah, done. We like hours. You go all the way out to town. We got all the things. We're peeling. We're baking. We're, you know, whatever. Right. I didn't help a lot, as you can tell, because I don't actually know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they freaking did the thing. <laughs> whatever. You know, I didn't contribute a ton. But other people were doing a lot of work. And <laughs> and maybe that's why tensions were high, because I wasn't contributing. But, um, you know, for all that goes into it. And then just like, blah, blah, blah. that was it. Like there's there's a lot again. It's kind of like that risk versus the payoff. Like I'm, it's it's kind of like the surfing of life is to risk that much peace and that much tension and the the estrangement that could come from it. Um, it's a lot of things you're putting on the table again. Quite <laughs> <laughs> but um, for all that, and then you know there's not a lot of payoff. It's like oh, that was seven seconds, seven second wave, seven second meal. That's it. Are we really willing to kind of? Go through all that again, seven nights in a row, and we're getting fat. Are you kidding me? What are we really winning here? It was fine. It was nice for those seven seconds. Um, I t- will tell you, dude, there was a funny dinner that we had where my mom was going to make making spaghetti. This was one that wasn't hectic, but very time consuming because they were going to make some pasta and they're at the store, and my dad goes to grab just jarred pasta sauce. Now, I'll remind you, well, done. Okay, now. My dad was making fun of my mom, and this is a funny story, but I love not only the effort of my mom, okay, and the care, but the the Italianism that I knew as soon as I heard it, that I was like, I got to talk about it. My mom slaps the jar out of his hand and goes, my children will not have a job, right? So she comes home. And I gotta say, seven hours of in the kitchen, mixing the sauce and the garlic, the bacon, you know, like all that goes into this freaking thing. When she could be having a pleasant day at the beach, she had to have the Italian authentic salce, you know? So it was pretty time consuming. And I just gotta say, I appreciate the freaking crap out of my mom, okay? Not only as a mother who cares and puts in the work for her children, but as an Italian. Are you willing to go through all that? That just... It's just a, it's a silly thing. And it made me so happy um, and filled with love and care. You know, they say meals can really serve that kind of that love and, and warm feeling. And, and that was a great one. Um, it's a shame that we, again, it was just seven seconds. All right. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Italians are going to Italian. So listen, even with all these dinners and all the chaos that ensues, Um, the beach and the vacation, again, that kind of just presentness, it does win back over like those things. They're so fleeting. Like you think things are just going to go great at the beach. They don't. Right. You go on vacation. You think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. It never works out. The thing is that you want to plan that your plans don't work. That's just the nature of the game. If you're going to find that out now, let me be the one to break that news to you. Whatever plans you're trying to write up and you know give up to life and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do, it's not going to work. Deny, shred it, right? So just forget about it and just do. That's what I'm saying. Just float, because nothing's going to work out anyway. Just do your thing and nothing can hurt you. But yeah, we tried a lot of different things and none of it worked. Right? The the meals, the dinners, they didn't go as planned, and we tried to go out as a family like multiple times and. I was in charge of, like, kind of coming up with what we were going to do on these nights. Like, hey, let's go to the mall. Let's go check out the shops. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. Now, there are so many people that it took quite a while to get out there. So by the time we get there, everything shut down. Multiple nights in a row. We tried to go someplace. Whole malls closed down. So we're just throwing turtle food (laughs) into a pond that was the exciting night on the town that we had i thought we're gonna go get ice cream maybe go bowling see a movie just shop around do some things we ended up (laughs) on like an abandoned dock all the lights are out and we're using the little 25 cent dispenser hey you have some food turtles can't even see the turtles it's so dark so it didn't go as planned but it didn't matter because you're at the beach it's just move on just presentness that's what it's all about it feels good now it it took a minute for some people. They were pretty harsh. They were blaming me. Oh, way to go, Tristan! You blamed. I was like, hey, by the way, I suggested this idea this morning. Okay, <laughs> like I didn't think we were gonna come out here at ten o'clock at night. Um, but you know what? I get over things pretty quick. Like, hey, this is all your fault. Like, oh, you're right. But you know what? I'll get over it. Don't even worry about me. I'll get over it. I threw a nectarine onto the beach, and um, it covered. The entire shore with with horseflies, and they they ate us for like the whole week while we were there. Again, didn't go as planned, and it was my fault, right? I was like, hey, this nectarine, see ya. I thought biodegradable things will eat it; it'll be fine. But they lingered, and like, oh, way to go, you freaking did this. We can't even enjoy the beach now. And you know, look, I'm so present that even when people are attacking me, I'm like, oh yeah, don't even worry about it. I'm fine. I'm already over it. Like, no, you shouldn't. You can't. What? You know, I'm just easy. I'm easy breezy. Like, I'm. <laughs> I'm a product of the moment, baby. Okay, like, if I'm willing to risk my life for a five-second wave on the water and almost die to a shark, you think I'm not gonna think ahead enough to throw a piece of fruit on the sand? I don't think, man. I'm just doing, right? Much to the chagrin of other people, but again, I'll get over it. What are you gonna do? What can we do but just live? What can we do but bob and float? Um, so that was awesome. So things didn't work out, again, multiple nights in a row. I never actually saw the inside of any of the stores. Like, all these different movie theaters and shops and bowling and golf. Like, I didn't... We didn't go anywhere. We didn't accomplish any of it. We ended up going to the 24-hour pier, all right? That was the most <laughs> exciting night on the town that we had, was we went down the old rickety. waying with the ocean. There's fish being chopped off live. It's not the most luxurious place to go. But look, when you're just being there and in the moment... Look, now, they were a little bit upset with me, okay? Admittedly, because I had planned and It didn't go according to, two, you know, the plans. They got shredded. But... They got over it quick, all right? And we were just there to be present. We're like, yeah, you know, we were going to go try and do all these things. We got dressed. We were wearing our Sunday's best, okay? I had the freaking shirt on, button, sunglasses down at night. Who wears sunglasses at night? I was feeling so fancy. We thought it was going to go well. It didn't. And now, for all that we had hoped, we're walking down a pier. That's how the night's ending. And we were still thrilled and just present to be there, man. There is something that did come up at the pier, though, okay? And it's crazy because I forgot to talk about this on last year's Beach Recap. And it ended up tying over. So last year, it kind of happened the same way. We ended up just walking down the pier because nothing else was available. And... I ran into this guy, and you never know what kind of stories you're going to get from an old gentleman who's just rocking in the chair on the pier. He's like, ah, I could tell you a few things. So we go up there to look at a telescope in the middle of the night, and and I bump into this, this older gentleman who's just looking out at the ocean, very fond of the fishing game. He goes, ah, you like fishing? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I don't, but yeah, whatever. And he begins to tell me of a legendary fisher that fished off this very pier. He goes, Yeah. There's an old fisher named Turbo. Okay, now Turbo had the craziest cast out in the ocean you could ever imagine. He could cast it for miles and miles, and he won every fishing tournament you could imagine here. I thought, wow, who's this this Turbo guy? He sounds fantastic. The craziest thing is... One day during a fishing tournament, a bunch of boats started parking within the vicinity of Turbo's cast. Now the thing about the boats is they're not actually helpful to a lot of fish, scares them off. So Turbo begins getting upset at the boats, I'm like, what? This is some drama. I'm getting into it now. And he continues, and Turbo starts getting mad and he reports them and the people go out and they try and get the boats to leave and whatever, (laughs) and he's like, and they won't leave because they're actually just on the cusp of where the boats are allowed to stay within the fishing distance, but because Turbo's cast is so far, he was was going even farther out so he was upset so you know what turbo does he cast the meanest cast you could ever imagine and somehow the way his bobber and his reel in the wild gets within the motor it blows up both of the boats engine and they end up stuck in they have to tow the boats out of the water and turbo ended up fishing the rest of the day and i swear to god he won that tournament and i was like holy crap this this turbo guy sounds like an avenger I wish I could have been around for for all these moments. This is wild. You never know what you're going to hear on the pier. And then he goes, and listen to me. See that guy right down there? That's Turbo. I look down into the corner, and there's a guy who's sleeping, huge beard, like it's a saloon, like he's in the corner. And I was like, holy crap, the legendary Turbo. And I never got to meet the guy, but I was so amazed with the tales. All right, now, could they be fact-checked? Do we know if there's more to it? (laughs) No. But the stories are the stories. So... That was last year. And then just this past weekend when we were there, I'm telling my older brothers all this. I'm like, yeah, dude, he told me all the stories. He blew up the boat and they're going, what the freak? You know, we're just reminiscing on the legend that is Turbo the Fisher. And as I'm telling him these stories, we walk past this gentleman who's just fishing over the line. And I start talking about turbo. I was like, yeah, I don't know where turbo's been. What's he been up to? And he does this. He just kind of like starts listening. You know, he can see he's like, he's not looking at you, but he kind of just leans his ear just a little bit closer. I'm like, what is this guy? It's not like he's just, he's interested. It looks like he knows something. And then I see him kind of turn and we lock eyes for a second. There's some secrets in his eyes. Okay. I don't know how to explain it. I thought maybe, you know, he was a turbo rival. Maybe it was his boat. I don't know what the thing is, but I'm like, oh, what is it? Th- it looks like he knows something. Like I can't Give you exactly what it looked like, but I'm going to try my best to just kind of emulate the feelings that I was receiving from him. Okay, so here's him casting, he hears the story and kind of goes like this. Secret. You know, I just, I felt, I felt it from him and I just kind of shut up and we walked away. Now, As I get further down to the pier, where I originally met the older gentleman who told me the stories of Turbo, I come across a group of fishers, and they're telling a story, and I'm getting closer. It's kind of just mumbled and jumbled. And the first words that I hear out of these people are, and then he killed himself. I was like, what the frick did I just stumble into? And I tried to listen further. And look, I don't want to believe it, but they were talking about a fisherman. They didn't say Turbo. But they said somebody killed himself, he was a fisher, and then that with the weird glances of the guy, and they just kind of stopped in the crowd and went, oh, they all gasped like it was a legend. It was a legend, and the only legend that I know is Turbo. Turbo the Fisher is a legend. Now look, I have an active imagination. That's no secret. So when I hear all this, I'm immediately trying to put all the pieces together, and the first story I come up with is Turbo the Legend, okay? He does all these amazing things, all these amazing accomplishments, but... When you're amazing, you make some rivals, okay? So I'm thinking maybe he blew up these boats, and these people want revenge. Boats are expensive, from what I hear. So this was just a year ago. Turbo was there. What happened to him? Why is this legend being tossed around? I'm thinking maybe one of these people may have killed Turbo and been at a suicide, and now the Turbo, and maybe that guy was a part of it because why wasn't he a part of the other fishing crew that was very fond of the guy? This guy knows something, and now he knows that I know something. So as we're leaving the pier, dude, I said to my brother, like, I I feel like eyes are on me. Like, I'm in John Wick. And everyone just kind of like, yeah, we were all kind of assassins. We all know the story, but we're pretending to be normal people just walking past me. I was like, dude, I I think I'm going to walk off this pier and someone's going to put a bag over me and I'm going to drag him around. What do you know about the turbo incident? I know nothing except he was a legend and probably the best fisherman of our time. So it just goes to show, man, that even when things don't work out at the beach, you walk into some crazy stories. And if anybody knows... What happened to Turbo if he's still alive? I I need the scoop, okay? I don't even like fishing, but I'm fascinated by it, so... You know what? Next time you try to bring some plans, forget about it. You're going to walk into some lore. You may hear about a, a crazy Avenger type fisherman who had the craziest cast of 10,000 miles. And uh, I just want to know more, but I'm also scared. Maybe I shouldn't even be talking about it on the podcast because if someone's going to see this, like, oh my. Friend, what's this guy's name? He knows about turmoil. So, anyways, that was. <laughs> the craziest night that we had out on the town. I will say that we were able to get ice cream a couple times, and that was kind of wild in itself. Um, I felt a little bad because we went to Dairy Queen, and everyone was blaming me. Tristan, you did guess you are in time or whatever. And, and we go to Dairy Queen, and I order a banana split. Right, I'm kind of like first in line. And immediately after, my brother's like, I would also like a banana split. Like, sorry, he got the last banana. And I was like, oh, they're already mad at me. I just got the last banana split. Yeah, baby, I'll get over it. Um, so <laughs> it was all my fault, but look, things work out for me and they'll work out for you too. If you just kind of let it go, man, just be present and, and hopefully you'll hear some amazing stories. But yeah, so we got ice cream at Dairy Queen one night and then the next night, uh, like I was saying, things work out, but things didn't quite work out at this, at this next place. Okay. So we went to Dairy Queen this one night and the next time we were even later to get out onto the town. So we end up going to Ben and Jerry's. Now, I've never really had Ben & Jerry's, so I walk in there, and there's a crazy cluster of new ice creams and flavors and excitement. And I catch eyes with a very interesting-looking flavor of ice cream. It is called Marshmallow Sky. And if you're wondering why I'm being so dramatic, you're about to find out. Um, I get a nice ice cream cone of this marshmallow sky. And it's it's got marshmallow and chocolate and it's blue. It's my favorite color. Like this is gonna be a good night on the town, okay? I'm not saying it's gonna top the Turbo stories, but I'm excited. So we all get our ice cream. We go back out into the parking lot and everyone's eating, they're laughing. And I take a couple bites of the ice cream and immediately my tongue starts itching. I go, what the frick is this? What's going on? So I I keep eating it like a fool. All right. I eat this whole freaking thing all the way down. (laughs) Don't even think about it more. But now my tongue's really itching. My mouth is itching. I'm thinking, "I, I don't have any allergies. I don't know what this is. What's the freaking itchiness? But it's bothering me, right? So I go into the car and I grab some water. Now I've kind of like removed myself from the social dynamic. They're all talking, oh, we're having this thing, here's this thing, here's the dogs, You're you know, whatever. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm kind of in my own little world. I drink the water. Whatever is on my tongue and in my mouth spreads down into my throat. And I start feeling really weird really fast so much so that all this noise just because it's all like mumbled i'm like what, what like i'm kind of like swimming in reality i'm like oh no am i having an allergic reaction and i start getting scared i'm kind of just like pacing i'm trying to be off in my own zone and i feel like my throat is closing up i'm like you can still breathe you can still breathe every time i try to swallow my tongue feels like it's getting thicker my throat is constricting and they're like hey are you okay now, I'm already scared and I'm trying to calm my breathing. I like to believe that I'm pretty calm under pressure, but then people get a look at my face. They go, if you're trying to relax and breathe, this reaction does not help. Okay. So they go, you are so pale. I go, okay, great. I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to relax. I'm like, I got to just keep breathing raining oxygen. You know, maybe it's going to be fine. I don't think I'm not allergic to anything. I have ice cream all the time. This can't be it. I've been scared of sharks forever. You're not going to tell me I'm going to die in a parking lot, right? I didn't even go in the ocean this day because of the shark dream that I had the previous night. I'm like, I'm not going in. I'm not risking my life. And there's no chance that an ice cream called Marshmallow Sky. Marshmallow? The softest of all the food products is going to take me out? No way. So I sit down like, just breathe, just breathe. You're trying to stand up, but I hear people worrying about me and they're getting scared. And that's already making me scared. And look, I already, it's not just like the anxiety, but I feel physically feel it getting tighter so i'm sitting there i'm just trying to breathe right and you don't want to just call the ambulance for nothing you want to be able to make sure you're safe and you don't want to overreact to the situation so i'm waiting i'm waiting and i feel it getting tighter and think you know what i'm at that threshold this is the line right here where if i don't call for somebody i feel like you just feel it in your soul like i'm gonna die and that's a scary thought so i being like "Call, call the ambulance call the ambulance and somehow they were like right down the street, they rush in and, and that alleviated some of my anxiety. because like, okay, at least if something happens, you know, they stab me, they open, you know, whatever people do. I'm like, okay, we can try and breathe a little bit, but it's still so tight. And, um, and my dad, he's trying to um, make me laugh. And that's just kind of how we deal with things normally, which is great. Like, I love that when I'm stressed out or I'm feeling fine. The only problem was that I had a hard time breathing. So, oxygen was limited. And, you know, that's kind of my mind still. Like, comedy makes me feel better. So, I was like smirking and kind of laughing at what he was saying, but like, oh crap, I can't use any of that air. Um, and, you know, my dad got the shot of the ambulances pulling up and going. And I'm sure he looked like an, a douche and an idiot to even get that. Like his son is like choking to death, and I'm going to the ambulance. He's like I gotta get the shot. Like wow, this dad doesn't care about anything. But um, it is slightly comforting to have someone not panic. But either way, I was just focused on survival. Um, so I get in this ambulance and we're flying down. And and she's like, okay, we need to do an IV, okay, because I don't. Whatever. I don't even know what she was saying because I was just focusing on on breathing. They say the IV is going to get in my system. It's going to, you know, deal with an allergic reaction or something. So they pull out a needle. And by the way, we're flying down the road right now. I'm like, okay, you know what? This is not the best time to be doing this. But, you know, you're a trained professional. Surely this will go well. It's like, okay, we're going to put the needle in. Oh, the vein blue. Vein blue. I'm like, oh. oh, oh. So now I'm in pain and my throat's closing up. Like, okay, we gotta get in the epipen, get in the epinephrine, we gotta freak us down. And it's not really helping a lot either. So I'm just like, we just gotta calm down. And luckily, dude, something about Southern hospitality is just. So nice. They're just all so friendly. You know, every sentence ends with my friend. How you doing, my friend? All right, my friend, just here's what we're going to do. Okay, it looks like the vein didn't work out thing, but we're going to get through the thing. We're going to do a thing. How's the ice cream? And, and uh, it was really swell. I do appreciate the lady talking like that. And even at the hospital, like, hey, how are you doing, bud? <laughs> it's just, there's something comforting about it. You gotta, if you've never tried a southern hospital or a southern ambulance, you know, go meet the EMTs. They are friendly. They're nice. If there's ever a group of people that can calm you down. I think it's the Southerners. They were great. Um, There is something like kind of phony that you always feel with the doctors and people like that. Because, you know, know it's just bedside manner. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing this. Oh, tell me about your thing. That's fine. You know they're not really listening. Um, I did play a little bit of like a mental trick i had to uh, acknowledge the bedside manner i told the lady i was like hey by the way your bedside manner is is really clutch it's really fantastic and i felt like that almost snapped the perception that it was almost like she was playing the game that i'm not supposed to be aware of and i broke the fourth wall and she's like oh and there was something behind the lady's eyes that kind of opened up and now we were both like we broke character we broke the scene um so i felt really proud of that even though i felt like i was dying i was like yeah We still figured them out. We got them. They can't pull the wool over our eyes. Okay. I am the actor. I know what's going on in the scene. I will not be outacted in my own scene here. So (laughs) that's what I was thinking about. And we get to the hospital and after so many pills and steroids and injections or whatever, I'm starting to feel a little bit better, but they can't let me go home out of fear of a delayed reaction. Like when it wears off, it'll come back. So we stay there. Until like three or four in the morning, which sucks because I wanted to watch the Colorado game and my phone was dead. So I'm laying in a cold hospital bed all night with like 3% battery, like checking the score every like 30 minutes. Like, OK, yes, that's all we can do. OK, we get spirit, spirit, use it sparingly um, and Colorado won. Yes, it was great. But you know what? Again, even when things go wrong, this kind of moment I had with my parents who just stayed up all night trying to make sure their baby boy was alright. I felt loved. I felt protected. I felt cared for. And um, it was nice just kind of like talking about the score in the game. Like, yeah, what's going on? We're checking around. Like, it was a, a strangely peaceful and, and wonderful moment. And you know what? I'm actually glad that it happened. So, again, it just goes to show, be present, live it out, and flow, and you'll be alright, dude! However, we did return home at about 4 a.m., and I needed to charge my phone. And someone freaking stole my charger, okay? Like, what kind of... I could have been dying for all he knew. I wasn't updating anybody. My phone was dead. I wasn't using it to tell people I was fine. It's like, I, I can only use battery on the important stuff, the football game. I gotta know the score. So I didn't tell or text anybody. Nobody asked me if they could take my stuff. But I get home and someone's like, oh, you know, whatever. You don't need this. You're not going to need your wallet. You're in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> like if I died, they're like, yes, I got shotgun in the car on the ride home. It was all well and good regardless, man. But... Yeah, that was that was uh, pretty wild. And the whole beach as a whole, man, again, things don't go as you want it all the time. Things just never work out, sure added of the plans, But if you can kind of bring that vacation mindset home with you and be wherever you are like things, it's it really is the best way to live. And people might disagree with that. So you need to be a little bit more focused, a little bit more dialed in. And I disagree, man. I'm about as least dialed in as you can get, all right? Like, my focus is so blurry, there's no kind of spectacles of reality you could give me that could clear that up. (laughs) Nothing. I'm just, I'm here, man, and I'm floating. It's so nice, but... Yeah, I mean, I could probably dial it in a little bit. But that's for another time, dude. But the point is, is, I was at the beach, and everybody was nice, and I was nice, and I almost died, but we got away with it! We got away with it, dude! Like, life tried to get me. Sharks were out there, allergic reactions, okay? Things were dangerous. But you know what? We pulled one over on life. Things always work out for me! I should stop saying it, right? Maybe superstition, maybe that's like, I hey, don't worry, I'm all fine. And life's like, how about this? And you know what? We got away with it. You can't stop. Stop the floater. So, anyways, guys, I think that's everything I have to talk about on this particular episode. There's tons more to, to always say, but that was the vacation as a whole. I appreciate you guys sticking with me, having fun, and look, it was just our last little hurrah before fall. You know, because fall technically starts tomorrow, the day after this this comes out. So, really, it was a the perfect time to do one last summer recap with the Hawaiian and the surfboard and what have you. Um, but it is nice to be home. I want less tension. You know, returning from vacation is like, not returning from war, but kind of like going to war. You know, like I came from peace back into people going, oh, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. I like more float. So again, if there's one thing I can recommend to you guys, float just a little bit more in your lives. And you know, again, things aren't gonna go well. But you know what? When you're floating, like waves, they splash. The waves are going to come, you know? Life's like a current trying to pull you out. But if you start panicking, you know, you can start getting sucked out more. So I'm just floating. I'm like, yeah, I'll just casually float over to the shore. So, yeah, that's about as much wisdom and philosophy I can bestow upon you guys. I thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Paul Circus, and I love you, and I'll see you next week!